Hi, I'm Katie Churchill here for Webcam Startup. We have another wonderful interviewee today. I'd like to introduce you to Alice Scary. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Katie. Thanks for letting me on. Now, for those who aren't familiar with your work, they might just know you as the Just for Fans model liaison, but you are so much more than that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a non-binary performer. I've been in the industry for about 15 years and I started out primarily as a pro dom and then started doing more and more kind of fetish clips and uh, independent uh, amateur style uh, erotic videos. I still do some professional domination, but most of my work has been online for years now, uh, just mostly because I'm too lazy to um, get out of my pajamas some days. And it's <laughs> just as easy to do that work sitting on your couch, uh, you know, texting someone or, you know, selling paid views and so on and so forth, which made it a whole lot easier when COVID-19 happened. I was already mm-hmm. in the online world, thank goodness. So I had kind of a idea what I was doing, um, you know, when all this happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And I so taking the JFF job, you know, I found Just for Fans um, as a home for my content and became incredibly passionate about it. I call myself JFF's biggest fan kid. And so basically I was just hanging around talking up just for fans for so long that I kind of stumbled into a job. Nice. So how did you originally get into the adult industry? So I have always been kinky and had a super high sex drive. And when I was younger, uh, you know, not old enough to be in the industry yet, I knew already that I wanted to do something in the industry. It hadn't quite occurred to me I could be talent yet, but I knew it was a field that I wanted to be in. And when I turned 18, I kind of had the realization that I could cut through a lot of the startup costs of getting involved in the adult industry just by being a model. And so I started to take a few shoots here and there. Back then, it was very low competition in the industry. You pretty much just show up and take as much money as you wanted. Um, So it was a good time to start. And so I just kind of, you know, started doing that. And then I found a commercial dungeon hiring professional and ended up getting a job there. So just sort of all came together. And so you transitioned to online work pre-COVID? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I um, have chronic uh, fatigue. And I guess probably when I was around 25, 26, I started to realize that even though a lot of real-time sessions and a lot of like, you know, shoots and stuff like that would make in a lot of capital that I was putting too much work into prep and setup for my energy levels. You know, I mean, getting dressed, shaving, picking out your outfit, you know, shooting at your home, you have to have everything perfect and clean. I mean, this takes hours and hours of work. And I realized that the amount of uh, labor going into it was really draining my energy reserves as compared to when I was doing phone work or uh, virtual uh, domination services or the residual income of clips um, that were very low maintenance, you know, where I could just get online and tweet some things, post some things on Tumblr back in the day and get a whole <laughs> bunch of sales in without even leaving my bed if I was having a bad day, you know? Um, and so I was really able to reclaim a lot of that energy uh, that I was expending to finally have a life again and be able to garden or spend time with my friends. Right. So what is your favorite part of the industry? 
definitely anything having to do with BDSM. I am a lifestyle, uh, you know, BDSM community member. And one of the things that I saw when I was younger was that in BDSM content, there was not a lot of diversity. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I loved what I was seeing, but it was all these Barbie and Ken heterosexual models that I did not see myself and my play partners and my, um, you know, body types that I'm interested in. And it didn't make me feel like it was something that I could be a part of. Uh, so when I started producing content, of course, I have plenty of play partners who are those beautiful sculpted, you know, enhanced bodies, but I have mm -hmm. also play partners who are uh, larger in size like me. I have partners who are various levels of uh, disabled. Mm -hmm. I have partners who are people of color. And of course I have other partners who are non-binary and trans like I mm -hmm. am. Um, and with this diversity of real people having real uh, play scenes, it gives me uh, I would say a sense of healing, you know, of feeling like my sexuality is natural, that it is mm -hmm. not something to be ashamed of, um, really kind of reclaiming that energy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed over the past several years, as more people have shifted to independent production, and I don't want to say we've moved away from mainstream porn because that's still very much there. But one of the wonderful things has been the fetish and kink and domination kind of content has started to show more variety. You still see yeah. the same appearances at the top, but now yeah. you see much more variety and it starts to look more like the fetish and kink community in real life, mm -hmm. which is something yes. that I very much appreciate. Uh, mm -hmm. on a personal level, because I don't look like those people. My play partners don't look like those people. <laughs> so Absolutely. I like, I love seeing myself and my play partners reflected um, yes. more in the content. And I think we're going to see that more and more uh, as we go forward. And I think that's going to be a great knock on thing for the lifestyle kink community and the lifestyle fetish community is that more people will come to it because they've seen it in porn because that is how I was kind of introduced to kink was through watching porn about it. And I went, Oh, mm -hmm. I like that, Same. but Same. I didn't see myself in it. And I think more people, the more they see themselves in the content, I think will be able to see themselves in the lifestyle more, which I think is Absolutely. just a magical, beautiful thing. Oh yeah. You're helping I agree. with that. <laughs> You're I can't tell that. you how many times I've heard, especially from female bodied people who have uh, dominant sexual proclivities or an urge to top more sexually, who literally didn't know that that was a okay thing to feel until they saw my content. I have, um, you know, several of these uh, fangirls I've sort of adopted over the years who have come to me and said, you know, I always wanted to try these things, but I didn't know that I could, or I thought that only people who looked perfect, you know, six foot tall Amazon goddesses with, you know, huge tits and a tiny waist were the only people who could, who could take control and do these things, you know? And I'm like, oh no, honey. Oh no. Like, I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, BDSM, like any other relationship is mostly about your emotional connections and not your physical form. And 
you know, it's funny to say that a soda is mostly a visual artist, right? You know, because <laughs> yeah. what I do is I show that physical form. But a lot of what I try to do is I try to capture the emotions and the connection of the moment and the intensity and the passion in my work and um, reflect that visually rather than focusing on, um, you know, people's physical attributes, which physical attributes could be fun too. But mm -hmm. I think it's really about the connection at the end of the day. Yeah, it's hard in a such a visual medium to to feel different or other or and to try to take the focus off of the appearance and put it on to, yeah, the energy, the connection, that other element of the scene. Um, mm -hmm. As a non-binary person, um, mm -hmm. have you found it difficult in porn to not have that pressure to present as female or to present as male or how, how have you navigated that? Sure. Well, so I just came out as non-binary about a year and a half ago, and I really hadn't intended to come out for many, many years. I planned to stay in the closet until I retired, honestly, because I was very, very convinced that my income would be too damaged by coming out. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that I have confirmed that it is harder in this industry to be uh, gender non-conforming in any way. But, um, you know, I couldn't handle it anymore. It was too psychologically damaging for me. And so I sort of kind of came out while I was just, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, so the first, you know, 13 years of my career, completely presenting as a cis woman. And I had lots of personal life play partners and friends and loved ones who knew I was non-binary. And they would ask me, you know, like, well, what if I use they them pronouns for you in private? And then I could just, you know, uh, switch to she, hers pronouns in public. And I would say, no, 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 someone's gonna overhear. Like I was terrified of it. Right. Um, that said, there were a number of people much more confident and brave than I am who trailblazed being non-binary in porn, which I think is just such a specific niche because, mm -hmm. um, you know, being being trans and binary is obviously a marginalized role as well, but yes. it's a marginalized role that most people can understand and wrap their head around. Right. With being non-binary, there's a lot of education that goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, I still have a number of clients who have known me for years and years who have um, done better thinking of me as a man than thinking of me as non-binary, which, you know, isn't perfect for me, but it's not dysphoria inducing for me. Um, right. So I, I'm more comfortable with being considered the male role or the masculine role because it's not something I've been forced into my whole life. It's not this mm -hmm. tortuous prison anymore. Um, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that I've actually kind of trailblazed has been talking to platforms about my gender role, about creating categories for me, about creating gender labels for me. Um, and that's definitely like an emotional burden because you have to confront not just educating someone who doesn't know about you, but thinking about your own emotions and your own um, discomfort with dysphoria or with, um, you know, with being considered to be female to even have the conversation, which is heavy. Right. 
So mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't go out there and say this is a super easy career path for a non-binary <laughs> person. Um, no. I do find it to be very rewarding and very worth it. You know, one of the first things that happened the first day I came out was I had, I think, four different colleagues come to me and say, I am transgender and in the closet right now and just come out to me immediately. Um, and just realizing that I finally got to be that role model, that I finally got to be that person who said, you know, it's okay to be who you are. Um, you know, having experiences like that makes it all worth it. Uh, before COVID-19, going to Pride for the first time out as a non-binary person, there was a very petite human being in the crowd who uh, kind of tugged on my sleeves to get me to look at them. And I was wearing this they, them, big shirt on right and they they pointed at my shirt and then they held up a little lapel pen that said they them and they were like me too me too and i and i could see that they were shaking just to see another non-binary person in person um so having experiences like that uh kind of keep me going through it but i definitely wouldn't say it's a it's a an easy or a light experience no it's uh it's definitely not and it's been nice to see people in the industry talking more about being trans or being non-binary, being queer in porn and how um, certain types, of, I want to say certain types of gayness and certain types of trans presentation are accepted and others aren't. Um, one of the big things was, I think it was just last year that the Transgender Erotica Awards started having a uh, male trans category mm -hmm. um, and started having a BBW trans category mm. uh, to recognize different body types within the trans community. Um, and so seeing things like that and speaking of platforms that are becoming more welcoming uh, just for fans, when they put out their year, I believe it was their year end top models thing. One of the things that we were, I don't want to say taken aback because that indicates we were surprised, but let's be honest, from the way most platforms operate, we were surprised in a good way that they included top trans performers, top female performers, top straight performers, top, top gay performers, top non-binary performers. And it was so beautiful to see a platform that went, hey, we can't just say these were the top three people who made money on our platform this year. Because that doesn't encompass what the platform is. One of the things I loved about that is that my, uh, my boss, Dominic Ford, mandated that companies that were carrying our um, top female model list and top male model list had to include both trans and cis people on the same article. Um, because he has always held the perspective of like, you know, trans women are women, trans men are men, like they don't need their own separate areas. So it's good to have those separate, um, you know, categories to recognize them and their hard work in their mm -hmm. niche, but that they shouldn't be segregated away from the, the cis men or the cis women. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously having a non-binary top model list, I'm not sure that I've ever seen another platform release anything like that. Before. We haven't. We looked. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we started poking around to see if you can even list yourself as non-binary on most platforms. And your options are typically male, female, trans. And that's it. Yes. Well, I actually, so I actually... Um, 
dialogued with Pornhub about it last year, and they added a non-binary gender category um, about a week later, which was really cool to see. Um, and I also uh, have reached out to Night Flirt recently. They do not have a non-binary category. So I was like, so do I list myself as trans or do I stay in this cis female category? And um, they were like, well, you know, we don't have your category yet. So just do whatever makes you feel comfortable. You know, like, so like, they're not, they're not ready to include me as my own, you know, gender yet, which is, you know, it's a process. But Night Flirt is, does tend to be a little bit behind everybody <laughs> they're slow adopters <laughs> um you know so i mean times are changing though because like five years ago people would have just you know laughed it out of the park and i don't want to you know sit here just hype jff non-stop but i think that a large part of it is because at just for fans we represent non-binary people and give multiple ways that you can represent yourself because you can, for example, list yourself as a cis female, but change your pronouns to they, them. So like, let's say you present or role play or have a persona of a cis female, but that's not really who you are. And you want someone to use those they, them pronouns for you. You could do that. You could also list as non-binary and then list your pronouns as he, his, or she, hers. So that way you have a little bit more of an option to say, you know, this is what people are looking for when they look at my content, but this is how you refer to me. This is how you dialogue with me. And I publicized that really heavily when I was getting involved with Just For Fans because um I know how much it means to me as a non-binary performer to have those options. And so I showed how it was set up in the profile and, you know, so on and so forth. And I think that the hype and the excitement that people showed about that put that pressure on these other platforms to start looking at how they were doing things. And even as a cis female having deciding that my pronouns are she, her and listing them just normalizes asking people and normalizes people having different pronouns than you might immediately assume, which I think helps exactly. as well. Exactly. I agree. And I think, um, you know, another cool thing is on Just for Fans, you could actually pick and you could put ask me as the option for your pronouns too. And that's really nice too, because some people are gender fluidic. Some people have one pronoun they use at a certain time or a certain circumstance, which is also how I was for many, many years. Um, you know, as I was slowly edging my way out of the gender closet for a long time, I was she, hers, um, in front of the camera and they, them at home. And so having these, these options to help people along their journey or wherever they are currently, um, you know, I think it just opens that dialogue and makes things easier. Yeah, definitely. Now, since we are talking about just for fans, you are their model liaison is your title, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. How did you get involved with just for fans? So I'm not going to call out, um, they who shall not be named directly, but I had a really bad experience with a competing fan platform. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, after my bad experience, I was like, you know, I don't want to go through this again. I want to find something else. And I looked at all the different fan platforms at this, this point. And um, out of all of them, I found that just for fans had the closest to my business model that I needed. So to explain that, 
you know, been in the industry for 15 years, I was on all of these different sites. I was on, you know, this site for phone sex work and this site for texting work and this site for clip sales and this site for streaming fan services, so on and so forth. Um, I think all in all, I was updating eight websites. Okay, mm -hmm. eight different websites to keep my business running. Well, Just for Fans has live cams. Just for Fans has streaming um, fan uh, subscription memberships, mm -hmm. including that you could have a tiered membership. Um, mm -hmm. So you could offer different levels of your membership. Um, you can make you, you can make free posts and you can make public posts. So it's basically a social media site if you make mm -hmm. public posts. It has the ability to sell physical products. So if you sell socks or shoes or autographs, uh, business card stickers, you know, uh, you can list those for sale and accept money through the website for it. As custom mm -hmm. video uh, where you can have someone order a custom video from you with their little features picked out and their delivery times and everything. It has a clip site built in. It has mm -hmm. the ability for US and Canadian models to have a phone number that they could give out to receive uh, text messages at that are automatically charged to the client's accounts, so on and so forth. Um, and because of that, I was like, this is me. Like, this is everything that I offer as an entertainer online in one hub. Like, why am I updating boom, 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 when I could just do it all in one place? And so that's what really sold me on it. So I set up the platform. I was really scared. I sent, I sent the owner a few messages, you know, asking my little questions about stuff. And so this was the other thing that sent me right, right into the JFF fan kid zone here is that I asked the owner Dominic Ford about some of my naughtier content. Uh, one of my niches is enema play and enema plays often like a line for companies because yeah. it's so close to scat play. Right. And some mm -hmm. of them allow it as long as it's not like you're actually Visible. doing anything. Yeah. Right. Um, and others just don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. They're like absolutely no enema content whatsoever. So I asked him about it and he said, you know, I don't actually know. Let me talk to my banks. Now, first of all, here I am, a small performer. You know, I'm not one of these people with 500,000 followers. And he's saying he's going to go do this work and like look up the rules for me. But not only that, he got back to me a few hours later and laid out the specifics of exactly what the bank said the lines were, which were, you know, mm -hmm. just don't don't show any actual scat, right? You know? Yeah. Um and so the fact that even though I wasn't a big deal, even though I'm just a small company, you know, the fact that this personalized time and attention was paid to my needs before I even moved over there was what sold mm -hmm. me. You know, the fact that that I was given the information I needed to make a good decision before I was even bringing them in money, right? Right. That was so meaningful to me that I was like, yeah, fuck all these other companies. I'm going here. <laughs> um, so after I went on there, you know, and started experimenting with it, it built a home there. Um, you know, I just really was like, you know, I want this company to succeed. I want mm -hmm. a company like this that is worker focused, um, model focused mm -hmm. uh, to, to do better. And I started pushing the company really hard. I started recruiting models. I started having um, Zoom meetings where I would invite all of my friends to share tips and tricks and stuff like that. And after a little while, um, the owner of the company was like, hey, 
you know, you're doing like a lot of this stuff. Maybe you should uh, have a job here. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just, you could just consider me the official JFF simp, basically. <laughs> well, uh, I followed you before your time with Just for Fans. And so I knew that you were a huge fan of them. So when they announced you as their new model liaison, it seemed like a very obvious fit because mm. you were always tweeting about tips and advice and help. And when models said, oh, I don't know what's going on with Just for Fans, you would tell them who they needed to contact or tell them where they could look for the information. Uh, sometimes when companies announce model liaisons who are performers or they announce like brand ambassadors, you go, oh, I didn't even know they were on that platform. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had that experience recently. <laughs> yeah, there, there yeah. are several companies where you go, oh, so did you just sign them to a special contract and now you've made them a site ambassador? Now they're like the model help person, even though no one can ever get a hold of them because they have 400,000 Twitter followers and there's yeah. no way to contact yeah. them. You still just have to email support. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> I've, I've, see, I've seen that even just this week. So I'm like laughing a little yep. bit right now thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, we get all those press releases and stuff too. So sometimes we mm -hmm. cover them when we think it's a good fit. Sometimes we cover them when we think it's incredibly bizarre. And sometimes I ignore yes. them all together <laughs> because I don't yeah, think it's, it's actually going to make a fundamental difference in the way that the company works. And I and feel like... Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's an interesting choice because I can totally see, like, I've even wished um, at Just for Fans that we had some, you know, front runner who is like some pretty thin cis model with a hundred million thousand followers. And, you know, um, as much as I feel like that, that's like ego satisfying, right? Like, oh, like, look at our company spokesperson there, this, you know, shiny, brand new, you know, amazing thing. Um, I I feel like it i wonder how it really serves those companies i do because i wonder if those people are involved in advocacy i wonder if they're involved in education um you know and it's just one of those things that i guess is you know someone who works for a competing site i just like what i'm like i'd like to sit as a, fl a fly on the wall in one of those meetings and see what they're actually talking about i think a lot of them are chosen with customers in mind and not models uh, I think they choose them as a brand ambassador or a site ambassador or a model rep, but right. there isn't an intention of it being for models. Yeah, that totally I, makes sense. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially with the types of people that are signed, the types of services, because sometimes they'll be like, oh, they'll be doing special shows every Tuesday. And my dumb brain goes, oh, they're going to be doing like a webinar. So I log oh, on and I go, oh, yes. no, it's not. Never mind. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I have attended more than one show that I fully expected to be a tips and tricks webinar with a pad of paper and a pen and been like, oh, never mind. I'm that's not what I thought. This yeah. was. I don't need to take notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a fun time though. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is some of those models. I appreciate the, uh, the extra effort and the, t the scheduled shows, but 
I think a lot of sites don't choose model representatives based on that, or the model representatives maybe end up doing more help in the back as sort of an advisor, but then no one ever sees that. And I think it's really important when you have a model liaison or a model rep or even a brand ambassador that they do offer something back to the community. And I think a lot of sites tend to forget that representing their brand isn't just representing it to customers. They need to also sell models. They have to sell both sides because they have to sell models on giving up a percentage and they have to sell customers on spending money, period. I know one of the... Oh, go ahead. I I think that a lot of times, especially in the past, uh, it's getting a bit better now, but sites have forgotten that they need to earn their cut and that models are not interchangeable. Yeah. One of the reasons why Dominic hired me um, is he spoke to me specifically about the importance of representing performers needs on the website, because I actively use just for fans as my main um, sales platform. I actually use all of these tools and I also have a lot of dialogue with other performers, uh, regularly. And, um, Dominic, you know, uh, does, you know, some content production still, but the administrative side of just for fans has really taken over his life. And because of that, he's less hooked into the day to day. Um, how are people actively using these tools? Uh, what do they need to be changed? What do they need to be streamlined? And so on and so forth. So it's very firmly impressed upon me that kind of one of my jobs was um, advocating for the needs of the models in the development of the platform. Um, I feel like some days he may regret that demand upon me when I'm really on his case about things that need to be changed or fixed. But uh, <laughs> regardless, he asked for it and now he has it. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean, it totally makes sense to me, um, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, prioritizing customers is definitely a, a way of doing business that I think has made a lot of um, platforms very large. So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me that having a super hot uh, girl to bring in the customers is, uh, you know, probably a good way to go if you, mm-hmm. if you are into that kind of thing. <laughs> But you're not only, I mean, you do heavily focus on Just for Fans, obviously. It's your job and it is your chosen platform. But you have also been spotted at other events asking questions and advocating for members of the community and trying to boost their voices the most. Most recently at the infamous Many Vids meetup, and someone had DM'd me and said, Alice Scary is here, probably just to promote Just for Fans because one of the big complaints was Crush. And I said, you know, I don't think that they are here for that. Why don't you just yeah. sit and wait? And you were asking questions about many vids and chatting with people and you weren't there to promote just for fans. That's not how just for fans works. You aren't sliding into people's DMs and uh, trying to switch them over to the dark oh side. God, no, I would never, you know, I try to be really respectful about that. One of the things that I've even noticed is that a lot of my friends have had like guilt about using other platforms and i'm just like no 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 like if you want to use just for fans like i want you to use it because it is the best platform not because you're my friend 
right? Like, yeah. um, don't get me wrong, like I want my friends all on Just For Fans, but I want them there because it's working for them because we are the most stable platform because we do offer all of these kick-ass features. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to like get on the site because they want to humor me or like impress me, right? Like that's not gonna be a sustainable business model for one thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, I, um, so I'm still on, um, several of these clip sites that I'm actually making some hard decisions in the next week or two based off of which ones are not sending me internal traffic, uh, mm-hmm. which ones do not currently have credit card processors, um, you know, <laughs> issues like this that seem slightly important, um, but you know i've been slowly just naturally phasing away from many of these platforms so i'm in just for fans exclusive model program Mm -hmm. which just to like explain that exclusive means that you're not using any other uh fan service right um a lot of people don't realize that you could still be on chatterbait or night flirt you can still be Um, on other clip sites and be a just for fans exclusive model yes you can the only issue is is if those clip sites have a fan platform you can't activate it so like i have clips on many vids but i don't use mv crush i'm on ap clips but i don't have whatever their fan thing is called. I don't have um, Model Hub fan clubs, so on and so forth. Um, And despite the fact that I can be on all these clip sites, it's just a lot to update all of them. And so I'm really working on cutting back to the top two or three that are actually sending me traffic. especially because when I'm in the JFF exclusive program, uh, it has a a really great payout for me on uh, tips and custom sales and store sales at 85%. uh, So it's very competitive for me to Mm -hmm. direct as much of my sales as possible through there. Um, You know, so I still use all of these platforms. I think I'm probably going to be on clips for sale for until, you know, the day they die because I've been with them since 2006. And so they've never mistreated me. They've never wronged me. They've never lost a payout. Um, So and so forth, you know, I mean, as long as they don't ever do anything bad to my business, why would I want to leave? Right. Um, On the other hand, you know, I do find it important to have an attitude of these platforms work for us, not Mm -hmm. vice versa. And especially in this day and age when there are so many platforms, I think it's important to ask them questions and to say, these are the needs of my business um, and advocate for them. And remember that you are the one who pays their bills. They work for you. Now, obviously, you know, I don't think that means that you should just be caring and like, you know, scream at them. I mean, certainly don't want to be verbally abusive. I've seen people do that. (laughs) It has has sometimes been me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we've all been there. But, you know, um, I think that be respectful, especially when you're speaking to customer service representatives who don't have any power in the company. That is very Um, important. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, you know, I think asking questions like this is what I legitimately need to run my business. And here's how I'm going to get there. What can you do for me is very appropriate. I mean, the same as you would choose between which grocery store you're shopping at. Do they offer curbside pickup? Are the groceries clean? Or, you know, has someone has someone just like, you know, uh, scattered milk all over the vegetables? This is, in my mind, an analogy for one of these platforms in particular right now. 
feel like they've got milk all yep. over their vegetables all the time. They just throw everything in the same grocery bag together, shake them up, you know? But mm-hmm. anyways. <laughs> your eggs are definitely arriving broken. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm sure you're picturing a platform in your mind. No, as not you, at all. You know, I have no idea what on earth could be happening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, I – I, but I, I would certainly never, you know, attend one of these things as a representative of just for fans, you know, when I'm there, I'm there to represent my company's interests because, you know, um, I've been making content for 15 years. I intend to keep doing it until, you know, I'm unable to get out of bed anymore. And so I think that it is important that I still keep an eye on um, what I need for my business to succeed. So I still go to all the all of the functions for the platforms that I'm on when I have time and interested to see what everyone's up to. Um, yeah, you're definitely seen open. more as an advocate in the community and an advocate for performers as opposed to, mm. oh, they just work for Just For Fans. Oh, they're just here to promote Just For Fans. Oh, they're only going to talk about Just For Fans. You are much more seen as an advocate for the performer community. And someone who not necessarily speaks on behalf of, but someone who is interested in understanding the bigger picture and not just how Mm -hmm. it relates to the company you happen to work for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a a big part of that for me is just that, you know, I need to understand how all of these platforms work um, in order to effectively be able to use them for my brand. You know, I have um, over 300 full length high definition videos and this is, you know, my retirement money, they're still Mm -hmm. selling, you know, and that's one of the great things, by the way, about clip sales. If anyone's listening to this, you know, I didn't know this when I was younger, so I didn't focus as much on clip production, Um, but, the residual income is real. Like I've had to take months off from work before and suddenly that little bit of money coming in from clip sales every week, no matter whether or not I'm filming, whether or not I'm taking sessions is paying my bills. Um, and it adds up. It really does. Um, so, you know, I mean, being able to, you know, take off a month and still have income coming in is freeing. It is the ability to take a vacation. It's the ability to heal from an injury. It's the ability to go take care of a sick relative. So, you know, at the end of the day, I I love Just for Fans. Like, I love Just for Fans. I am a mad fan kid, but I'm also a representative for my brand, and I will always be that. You know, I mean, it's like, it's I have to wear these two hats, you know? I'd like to feel like that is part of what makes me such a great model liaison for Just For Fans, though, is the fact that I do have my eye on the next 10 years in the industry. One of the things I was going to say, actually, <laughs> when you were done talking is one of the reasons that you are so valuable as a model liaison is because you are an active performer. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to say it bothers me, but I sometimes find it troubling when model liaisons are no longer actively working or cam coaches who haven't cammed in five years. Ah, Um, yes. I think it's really important. And that's something that at Webcam Startup has always been important, is getting contributors who are actively working on the sites that they're covering, who are actively trying out new services, who are creating that content, who are, you know, looking at sites from the perspective of, I am using this as someone who needs this site to pay my bills. 
And so I think that makes you more valuable to just for fans than just hiring someone who is good at peopling. You know, you can hire, you can hire anyone with great customer service skills to answer questions and provide model support. But when you hire someone who not only uses that platform, but uses other platforms and is familiar with other platforms and is still active, it makes a huge difference. And I think that's really clear when people deal with you is that you have that current experience. Yeah, it's a funny line to walk to because, you know, a lot of people are following me on Twitter now because of my JFF work and because they're there to like have tips and tricks and, you know, learn sales techniques. And so it's like I have this new fan base now for like people who want to learn from me. And then here I am like retweeting a 15 minute video of me shoving marshmallows up someone's butt, you know, and I just I have that moment of like, Oh, I hope you know who you follow, <laughs> like, you know, um, so it's really nice for me to hear that that's not like off putting, you know, because it's just, you know, it's, it's um, a new territory for me to be in kind of having this more professional, you know, um, educator aspect pushed so heavily. Um, and of course, I do have two different Twitter accounts, too. So that's made it easier. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my explicit stuff on one Twitter account, and then I retweet it to my main. And that way, if you don't want to see all of the content I create, you could just mute the XXX account and you can. Yeah, that's very smart. You, you yeah. saw that light bulb just happen in my yeah. head. And I, I often I tell- wonder the same thing about my account, but I've just given up. If they don't want to see my boobs, then just don't follow me. <laughs> I'm too lazy for two Twitter accounts. I'm not that professional. I, so in my mind, I'd like to remember to always um, kind of put a couple of keywords on each of my genres of content, too, so that people can mute specific things like if they don't want to see ABDL, if they don't want to see enemas, if they don't want to see uh, prolapse play is one that a lot of people just like one of my friends is like literally traumatized every time she sees it. It can be a lot <laughs> if you hit that gif in the morning when you're having that, your coffee. I I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it wasn't you. It was another model. There was a a Uh, Christmas wreath hanging on it. mm, You've seen it too, haven't you? I haven't, but I really want to. It's a a very specific (laughs) gift. And it it hit me not this past year, but the Christmas before at about six in the morning when I was getting ready to camp. I was like, I got to stop checking Twitter before I eat. (laughs) Not with the people that I follow. Yeah, I really like the separate separateness of it because with my XXX account on one profile too, it means that my little fans could go right to the XXX stuff and they could skip me yelling about politics and model advocacy and, you know, whether or not I have belly button lint that morning, you know, um, if right. they'd like to. Uh, luckily, most of my fans and clients are pretty uh, into like knowing all of my life. Uh, but, you know, I would understand if you're in a romantic mood that perhaps you might not want to uh, be faced with a bunch of angry texts posted between your porn gifts. So, yeah, you know, they can just go sense. scroll through and, and binge and hopefully tip when they're done. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the ideal. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I will also say that uh, discovering just for fans has in some ways reinvigorated my model career because, you know, I've been in this a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, burnout was very much a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was really burnt out about was the piracy. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, 15 years in the industry, my content's been pirated, sold around. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, 
And I'd, I'd mostly just come to accept that as being part of the business. But one of the things that I have started to do is that when I have partnered scenes that I've invested a lot of energy for um, is releasing them exclusively on just for fans and activating the digital fingerprinting technology for it. Right. Uh, so, you know, this is only works on videos over five minutes long and, you know, it's probably not worth it if it's already been pirated all to shit. Mm -hmm. um, but this means that for a year or two, I could keep something on just for fans. And if anyone pirates it, we can actually trace back the precise individual who stole it. Um, and so that's been very freeing for me to know that, you know, I could shoot this clip, I could invest this love and this energy into it and only sell it on just for fans and know that if anyone steals it, I know mm -hmm. who it is. And that has just made me pour everything back into my work again. You know, I, I know that I can, um, you know, really invest some time and energy and not have someone stealing my sexual labor. So have you got any exciting new projects coming up? Well, let's see here. One, just to clarify, are we talking about porn or are we talking about just for fans advocacy? Anything. Let's get, let's throw out one of each. All right. So I'm super excited right now. I'm getting to work with my friend Sabine is good. Last May, we were supposed to work together. We're Twitter mutuals. I've had a huge crush on them forever. And COVID happened and we're both high risk individuals. So we've literally been sitting for the last year, not able to do anything. We each have gotten our first of two vaccines now. So we are rescheduling a shoot a year later. That's wonderful. Epic shoot. We're probably going to shoot like 10 clips together. They are going to be really lucky if they can walk afterwards. Really lucky. <laughs> it's going to be real rough. They're going to have a hard time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. COVID's so, uh, collabs on hold. Yes. So I'm really excited about that. I'm not going to go crazy now that I'm vaccinated, but I am going to start doing a little bit of traveling here and there. So I'm excited about that. And Very I'm nice. also really super excited on Just for Fans right now. We just had our um, uh, attorney come on and answer model questions. And so this week I'm editing up the webinar from that to release on Just for Fans so that people can catch up on it. And so that's really juicy for me because I get to get real legal advice into the hands of performers for free. Um, something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And so I'm really amped about it. That's fantastic. Now, if someone wanted to go and follow you, Alice Scary, where would you like to be found? AliceScary.com. That's scary with a K, S-K-A-R-Y. Uh, it leads directly to my Just for Fans page. Or if you want to find me, Alice Scary on Twitter, if you want to avoid all the hardcore pornography and go straight to the shit posting. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alice, for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was wonderful to talk to you. It was wonderful to talk to you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm Katie Churchill, and this has been webcamstartup.com.